come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my work. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman who is mad. Hi, and welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. I am your poltergeist, Kinsey. I'm your poltergeist, Donna. I'm your poltergeist, Mac. And I am your poltergeist, Ryan. Hi, everybody. Yay, Ryan is joining us for our first episode of 2023. Hi, Ryan. Hey, everybody. Starting the new year off right. Heck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And in the vein of starting the new year off right, we watched the 1984 cult classic, Night of the Comet. Let's go around. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Had you even seen it before? This is a movie your poltergeist Donna has been pushing for for, well, God, probably since the beginning of this podcast. Um, so, yeah, I liked it. Um, I've, I've always loved this movie. I was nervous because I haven't watched it in a while that I was going to kick it on and it was going to be it was not going to hold up. And this movie could use like maybe 10 seconds edited out of it. I mean, it could it could stand to have a couple lines edited uh, and otherwise it held up really well. I loved it. I was so happy to see it again. Yes, I love this movie. It makes me so happy. <laughs> I love you, Donna. I lo- oh, no, Mac. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I, I, when you said I could use editing and I was like, Oh yeah, and you you were like ten seconds. I'm like more than that. Uh, I really liked about the first half, but I felt like the movie really ran out of steam after the mall. Well, let me be clear. When I yeah. say it needs editing, I'm referring to racist yes. and other insensitive stuff. When you said 10 seconds, I, I keyed into that. I I would edit those, and I, I think the end also needs to be uh, quite a bit tighter. I uh, I lost the thread a little bit, and uh, the ending is really befuddling for me. Not in an offensive way, just in a, that's where this was all going? Okay. <laughs> Bye, movie. <laughs> Ryan, what about you? I had not seen it before, and I found it extremely charming. I enjoyed it. I do have some of the same issues Mac does with the the ending and the third act especially. But just in general, I feel like it was like a good movie to just sit down and kind of laugh through. I was infinitely charmed by the first half. So I'm yeah. I, I am generally pleased with the experience. But if we split it up into thirds, I definitely did not like the last third. I think Ryan keyed into that. All right. Well, I I'm like Donna. I had I grew up with this movie. I saw it. If you had TBS or HBO in the 80s, this was on a steady rotation. And I saw it so many times and I loved it as a kid, but I hadn't went back as an adult to watch it. Uh, So that's why I was also very excited when we decided to do this. And I, I had fun with it. It was I found myself cackling in the best way, especially that first half. And yeah, I I'm not mad that we did it. And, you know, it's I I don't disagree with you, your points about just little tweaks there. And I also do remember now with the third act, why as a kid, I was like, okay, I'm kind of done. But overall, yeah, it's it's still fun. And I, that made me so happy. <laughs> it's 
it's telling that in the span of time that I hadn't watched it, I had kind of forgotten the entire scientist <laughs> storyline existed. I was like, oh, there's scientists in this. Oh, yeah. Up to that point, you got a really great movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, I clearly agree with that part. All right. Well, for those of you who don't know what this film is about, our good, good buddies at IMDb want you to know a comet wipes out most of life on Earth, leaving two valley girls fighting against cannibal zombies. To go shopping in the zombie apocalypse. Right. With Chakotay. <laughs> I have a story about that that we'll discuss. Okay. <laughs> but they, they're fighting against cannibal zombies and a sinister group of scientists. Okay, but what it's really about is a, a man named DMK, a vanity license plate maker by trade, gets the number six high score on Tempest. Sometime later, he obtains a Mercedes. Also, the apocalypse happens somewhere in the middle there. But this does not diminish his ability to make vanity license plates. Shortly thereafter, he meets a girl. Credits. <laughs> that, uh... Meeting him in the last like five minutes might have been my favorite part of the entire oh, movie. No, I loved it. <laughs> I, feel I was like, like yeah, yeah. I DMK. Think... Oh my god, Danny Mason Keener. He shows up. Danny I... Mason Keener. It paid off. There was a payoff. It paid to off. It. it was silly, but it was such a. I feel like it fit the movie perfectly. It was very charming. It's very silly and very charming. And I'm glad we got it. I chopped that thing right off. I <laughs> Damn! Fuck you! Because yeah. <laughs> I left it. I was not thinking about zombies or the apocalypse or anything like that. If that happened, I'm like, wait a minute. Where did he get the car? Where did he get the plate? Why was he the one that survived? What does that have to do with his Tempest score? Nothing. Eh. I see your point about the license plate. I feel like anyone can get a car in the apocalypse pretty easily because they're just all there and the owners are gone. I take your points, but I just think it was very charming. I do agree that it makes no logistical sense. If you were charmed by it, it worked. If you were not charmed by it, you're spending the last several seconds of the movie going, what? No, no, come back here, buddy. Where did you get this? (laughs) And see... My fan fiction writing brain, let me tell you what it did at that point. He already had that license plate. He loves that license plate. He took it off his own car and then put it on his fancy car. That's where my brain went, and I was fine with it. I need my microphone to pick up my expression and my (laughs) blinky face. And this ties into his Tempest score. How? I just think they wanted, they they gave you a little hook. And And see, what's funny is I remembered... That score, I remember that being a thing, but I thought it was Chakotay, that that's who had it. And so then I was surprised. I was like, oh, it was, oh, yeah, it's her. It's it's her. Okay. It's Sammy's boyfriend. If that had been the case, great. That would have all tied in. He's like, oh, she's really having a much more involved emotional relationship trying to eliminate this high score and the Tempest score. Then she meets that guy. Forget the projectionist. Even though it's the apocalypse, she's living her best life. But instead, we got this. I do have a question about uh, how arcade games work, because I've never been a a top scorer in an arcade game. They don't work like that. Go on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because he's number six, and she beats the score, 
No, and she's number not. seven through ten. Six doesn't go down to seven. She just replaces. Is that how arcade games worked? No. Or would it have gone down? As it would, would have logically gone down. It would have gone down. Okay. She would have had to work to get scores score higher than him, and yeah, and uh, knock him out of the top ten, which would have been less interesting to watch in a film. <laughs> Absolutely. To be totally fair. <laughs> yes, she would have had to have knocked him out of the top ten, not just beaten that one score. Yeah, and it would have been less interesting. But then yeah. she would have been a zombie, and we would have had no movie. So, so here we are. We would have been denied her spectacular hair for the next <laughs> however oh, long. Okay, hair. Let's talk about hair, please. I mean, I was not really a sentient being in the eighties, but uh, physics would dictate that the lift on that hair would eventually give way. After sleeping on floors and radio station couches and and being in the apocalypse. Am I wrong there? It, it yeah. Was, hair, was hairspray that magical back then? Aquanet <laughs> still exists, Mac. Aquanet okay. still exists. You can experience it yourself if you like. And Aquanet, let me tell you, you could <laughs> you could stick things to walls with some of that consistency, especially 80s Aquanet. If you hold it up, your hair up just right and spray the shit out of it and then add in heat like a little hair dryer there, that that's going to that's going to last you through a zombie apocalypse. And I, I actually okay. think Dippity Doo, is that the name of it? Dippity Doo? I don't know Dippity Doo. But... It was it was like lacquer in a tub. I think Dippity Doo still exists, too. I may be I may be adding a syllable or two extra to that. Um, I think it exists as well still. Anyway, I'm just telling you, 80s hair was a work of engineering. Clearly. <laughs> I, I I just, was it such a marvel of engineering that, it you know, had they turned into dust, I expected also dust and a little bit of bouncy hair on the ground because that's all that remains. You wouldn't have seen the bouncy hair if they had turned into dust. What you would have seen would be the Aquanet particles mm. from the said hairspray <laughs> mixed in with the dust it mm. is indeed dippity doo and it can be purchased on amazon today interesting it definitely sounds like part of like the oompa loompa <laughs> oompa loompa doopity doo, -doo. <laughs> but yeah if if they had turned to dust the shape of their hair outlined in aquanet would have remained yeah Aquanet actually would have protected the hair had they turned into dust. They just didn't have the budget to show that. <laughs> 80s hair man. Mac, I always forget with you, I always think you're closer to my age than you actually are. So that's why when you ask that question about 80s hair, I'm like, you should know. And I was like, oh, wait, nope, Mac is younger. I'm a little young. I, I was I was there for part of it, but I, I was more interested in Adam West Batman reruns than than hairstyling. I know I should have focused in on the trade that I, I, I could have made a living off of, but it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Kindergarten <laughs> interfered. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, Mac. It's okay. I, I guess I guess the, the kindergartner girls weren't weren't wearing a lot of big feathered maybe, hairstyles. Maybe they were, but I don't think I was particularly interested in follow-up questions at that point. And I think it also seemed like <laughs> It lasted the school day. That seemed like a, a, a reasonable expectation of a hair product. This 
lasts. I'm not even necessarily bothered by the by lasting the zombie apocalypse. I'm bothered by sleeping in strange places for prolonged periods of time, and then it comes out of like like I'll occasionally use use some mousse in my hair. But you see, I slept a little bit, you know, last night, and I'm all in three different directions. Why? I I don't know. Yeah, but see, you slept on a pillowcase, not a stone floor. Maybe I should a, do that. Or yeah, the floor of the skating rink for all night skate. That that hair had to last during all night skate. Oh. In the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So one thing I would like to point out is of all the people, so it's the night of the comet, right? Mm-hmm. And the newscaster is there. And he's talking about how, strangely, that part of the world has gone silent. He's looking nervous. That's something I noticed on this watch. The newscaster is not actually looking thrilled about being outside. Everyone else is having a great time. And the newscaster is like, I would really like to be somewhere else. I like during that montage, I'm pretty sure... 80s LL Cool J is in the New York City montage because he's that uh-huh. got that king mm. that that Kanga hat on, real baby face. It's a super fast like cut, but it would have been when he was there. Like they show him. I'm huh. I'm like pretty sure that's him because I was like, hey, that's LL Cool J. And then of course it goes. I may go watch it again because hey, I can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy. It was just a weird little little thing I noticed. This uh, I was like, well, that makes yeah, that tracks. Um, and then that morning after scene, that was some pretty good stuff. That morning after scene with the with the pool cleaner kicking on and that robot yeah. kicking on, that was some good stuff. I and everything is so quiet. I really like with this movie. I thought it was, and and it, this ties into the morning after scene, but they made the most out of their budget. And so just doing little things like the pool cleaner cl- kicking on, nobody there. I mean, it's red dust. Like it's not a ton so that they could, you know, when you needed the makeup effects then, which I mean, they're they're not a ton of them, but you had that moment to have them. And I just, yeah, no, that, that scene is great. And then, but it just, it just works. And then like showing the red haze, which I know they just put like a little red film over the camera. But it's still, it all works. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, there is there is some outstanding, I think I interrupted you, right, Brian, and I'm sorry, but I just want to say there's some really good examples of um, low budget effects. And even the uh, the example of the, um, the, the night sky when the comet is going over, which is just horrible. I mean, it's really bad. It's really bad, but at the same time, I find that I, as a viewer, will look at that and go, oh, you didn't have any money for effects. I don't mind it. I don't mind it because I'm like, I get what you're doing, and I appreciate you spending your money wisely because that that's not important. That's not important. You just needed me to see that the sky was doing something wonky, and I get it. I think one of the things that really won me over, I think the three leads, Kelly Maroney, Catherine Ann Stewart, and Robert Beltran, they're all great, but they also just have like a great chemistry between them. I think Kelly Maroney was born to play Little Sisters. because She's so excellent every time she does it. Mm-hmm. And Heather Langenkamp uh, was offered that role, but got another gig in 1984, notably. Ah, 
I think that's a different energy. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I love, I love her, but I don't, I think it, she doesn't have the spunk. I mean, she's got the spunk. Let me be spunk's not the right word. It's, it's the bubbliness that. Yeah. Yeah. Cap has final girl energy. So that's not really who you want in the younger sister. She would have been okay as the older sister. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, What was her name again? It's not sticking with me. Kelly Maroney. Kelly Maroney. Yeah, yeah, she she is she's cute, she's bouncy, she she's not serious. And you need serious yeah. in the older sister. You need guess what? I slept in the shed last night and then I came <laughs> back to get dressed to go to Pep Squad. <laughs> and then I'm gonna run away. That's the energy you need in Samantha. And um yeah, it was she was just she great. Was a- she was a delight, a delight, yes, a delight. <laughs> so, um, but then we got to uh, when we when we first met Hector, we got to the first two lines. The first two time, the first time I was like, "Oh, you went there," which is when we got to the the when she called him Hector. I'm like, "What the fuck you doing, Reg? What you doing, Hector?" And then she made the comment about date night in the barrio. I don't even know what that means. I'm like, I'm sorry, you're a rich white girl. And I I get we're going with the my dad's a Marine trope, which is a good trope, by the way. It's a trope that works. My dad's a Marine. That's a trope that works. It It is. As far as tropes go, go it's one that works. It, I believe that this rich white girl knows how to use a gun because her dad's a Marine. It works. Well, it paid um, off. It wasn't just like, like you know she talked about it for a while you know and same thing uh sammy mentions it and so then when actually uh regina has you know the first time she has that fight like Uh it actually it pays off and i like that that it's like yeah i do i do buy that and the movie also does a good job of just exploring like the relationship with the mother because the dad's the marine and she has that great line about like he daddy jumps on me i jump on you it's the chain of command i think i jumbled the order of the words but that's basically the line i think that kind of stuff really makes a trope come to life when you consider it beyond like we need her to fire a gun okay how does that affect her relationship with her mother and how is her mother's life given that the father is constantly deployed yeah yeah it it works um but um but then now she's now she's here at this radio station making comments like date night in the barrio um and i'm curious what her experience is that she's belittling his gun what what her life experience is that she has any idea what date night in the barrio is as opposed to her saturday nights it was just it was a weird line on top of being an unnecessary line and Mm -hmm. She's awfully um, comfortable with an Uzi later on, so I have an idea. It involves a gun so, yeah. But but it's one of a few lines that I would judiciously cut out of the film because racist and unnecessary. And yep. but but Hector calls her on her on it. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that Hector's like, what the fuck you talking about, white girl? So um Of course he then proceeded to make his fortune being a hispanic man playing a uh, native american true star trek so i mean it all worked out 
and 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 Beltran's kind of a right wing asshole right now. Oh, so oh, yeah. it makes me sad. How how, how, how mm. I know, okay. I know, mm. I know. Mm. That makes me okay. I take back anything nice I ever said about him. I will say <laughs> it was funny because I watched this movie by myself on Monday because Billy was working and the moment he comes on he comes billy comes out of his office he's like what the fuck is chakotay is that chakotay <laughs> i was like yeah he's like okay and then kind of stood there a couple minutes watched it then went back but yeah he it, he recognized it, him from all the way it was either reg or sam who made some line as they because they yeah they were coming into the radio station and there was the automatic dj system working and they kind of marveled at that and i think i want to say it was sam who said uh beat me up scotty and then beltran comes on and i did a perfect mst3k moment i was like uh well or chakotay whoever you have that's fine <laughs> <laughs> wonderful wonderful so um one thing i wanted to point out is the scientists say the only thing left is calcium dust um this is this is a little scientist corner here. oh this is donna science corner on a science corner, uh, which is interesting to me because calcium is white. Calcium is, I mean, milk, you know. Yeah. Calcium is white, and the dust that we see is red, kind of a, a, a um, brick red. Copper, kind of, coppery, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the um, the scientists are saying it's calcium dust, but the props department actually got it more right because if you just remove all the water out of a human body, it's going to end up red because blood is red, and there's yeah. an awful lot of blood in the human body. So I'm kind of I'm kind of pleased that the props department actually got it a lot more right than the um, script did, and I just I just was pleased by that. Then the Star Trek episode where they removed the water from people and they came out as like a salt cube thing. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we would we would not crystallize into a cube. No, we just we just wouldn't. We wouldn't. Wait, instead of is is twenty twenty three just going to be our episodes of Star Trek references now instead of Star Wars? <laughs> Where PartyApocalypse.com consolidates all of our podcasts into one Uber podcast. All, all podcasts will be one podcast. You will be assimilated. Mm -hmm. Resistance is futile. So I just want you guys to know, and this is kind of jumping back to the, the girl's stepmom, Doris, but I appreciate that actress just finding her niche and just being awful moms and stepmoms in the 80s because she has this and then Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. She is the worst to <laughs> her daughter. So I appreciate her knowing her, knowing playing to her strengths. Yep. I have I have a question. Uh the movie was a little tricky to find. We had some chat about that on our Discord. How did everybody watch it? Oh, Hoopla. Hoopla, okay. Yeah. I watched it the first time. I watched it right before uh, New Year's Eve. I watched it on like the 29th or the 30th on Amazon Prime. It was free. And then when everyone started saying, I found it here, I found it there, I found it somewhere else. I was like, oh, it's for free on Amazon Prime. Yeah. You can't even buy or rent it for a fee on Amazon right now. 
Yeah, and I'm annoyed as hell because it was for sale on Amazon Prime. And I decided, why would I buy it when I can watch it for free? Yep. Uh, apparently, it disappeared at the turn of the year. Like hard. And yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I ended up watching it the second time on Tubi. I watched it on Tubi as well. Uh, I It's 2023. We landed a man on the moon sometime in the past. Why am I interrupting my movies with commercials? But then again, I'm not paying for Tubi. So Tubi, fine. Do what you have to do. to. Uh, why yeah. is Hulu interrupting its movies with commercials? Because I'm paying to sit there and uh, learn about the uh, engineering marvel that is Dippity-Doo and then <laughs> have the commercial. <laughs> Yeah, I watched it on 2B2. I also think I had the same experience with Donna, though, that I think it was on Shudder. And I remember adding it to my Shudder watch list. And I like went back and it wasn't there. Like when I said I would come on, I was like, oh, it's on Shudder. This will be easy. I won't have to see any Tide commercials. I find it interesting. There are some movies, and this being one of them, that bounces. Because I remember it being pretty available on Prime. I think it also was in my Shudder queue. At, at one point, Ryan. And it wasn't until like a couple days. Yeah, it was a couple days at the end of December. Because um, I love the app Just Watch. That'll tell you where things are streaming. So uh, so I was like, oh, well, it's on Hoopla. I knew we we had a Hoopla account. So I'm like, oh, I can get it there pretty pretty easily. I think I did looked at it <laughs> New Year's Day to see. <laughs> so yeah, there's a couple movies. There's I say a couple. There's a there's there's movies that just seems like that bounce that way. That it's like okay, we're going to be here and here at the same time. Then we're going to be gone, but then we'll be here. Um, I know. I think it was last year that Scream Factory did their their big Blu-ray release of it. Uh, so that's probably what what this showing was because I remember. Yeah, because I, I want to say it was last year that it came out. Um. um. I mentioned that I had forgotten the entire scientist plot. However, it does. I love the bit about the scientists forgetting to close the air vents. That that actually is once I remembered the scientist existed. I love that these people who shut themselves away because they're geniuses who forget to close the air vents. <laughs> that that does just crack me up. Um, but I don't love it when scientists are portrayed as heartless bastards. So, um, oh, well. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of the scientists, probably for a little different reasons. Because I feel like the heartless bastard thing, I think some of them were, and I think some of them weren't. Mm -hmm. um, I think it bothered me more when they save Samantha and Reggie in the mall. Because I want Samantha and Reggie to save themselves. It feels like a scientist ex machina. And it feels like yeah. almost like they added that in when they realized, like, how do we get them out of this situation? Well, we have to have someone come save them. Let's write in some scientists. And then after that, they I think they fudged really badly the scene where Reggie and Samantha decide to take separate helicopters. So they don't show it. And it's like completely unbelievable. And I think they're just trying to pull a fast one by not showing us that moment. Yeah. You know, you know, Ryan, yes, because I have always been like, I don't see Reggie leaving Samantha. I don't see that happening. I, you're, yes, <laughs> yes, I agree with you because I've, I've always been like, how did that happen? 
So yeah. yes. So I guess then this is kind of our lead in to talk about the third act. <laughs> and I think that is the I think what Ryan just mentioned is kind of when this I love the scientist ex machia, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's kind of I think the sisters we met before, they would have figured out a way to get out of that. With the scientists subplot, whatever you want to call it, and adding them in there, that's kind of is that where it kind of loses both of you, uh, Mac and Ryan? Yeah, yes. I don't, I don't think it loses me totally, but it's definitely like my level of interest goes down once they're captured by the scientists, especially because, like, I mean, like I said before, I feel like I'm being lied to and cheated when you don't show me how you convince them to get on separate helicopters. I don't mm-hmm. believe they would do that. I agree. And what I was going to say, uh, like, the bother the Deus Ex scientia or uh it, wherever you, wherever the latin wants to go there um uh yes i i'm agreeing 100 with ryan i lo- start to lose interest pretty heavily once the scientists come in when it turns out the red dust just washes away with the rain then i'm like okay what it's that sort of bad faith argument about Raiders of the Lost Ark that Indiana Jones doesn't do anything. He just exists through the movie. Like these characters just exist through the movie and don't have any real agency at all, as it turns out. And it bugs me. And then DMK shows up and I'm like, nah, I I don't remember liking the first half of this movie at all. (laughs) So it's a, it's a, it's a one, two, three punch for me. I like the scene with the the rain and the dust. Mm. Yeah. I I just feel like, yeah. It's just dust. It's not the actual person getting blown away. But it's that like, that that makes it safe for them to go out. Like that resolves oh, their problem. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's yeah. a fair critique. Yeah. And not not just oh, I it, aesthetically it was fine. It was just it, they went for uh scientist ex machina and then they actually did Deus ex machina. So you can only <laughs> how many ex machinas am I uh, supposed to get in a movie that I watch for free? <laughs> I mean, you watched it for free, so I figure, I mean, at least two. At least yeah. two. Yeah. I do feel like Tide could really corner the market with a niche <laughs> like gets out the comet dust product <laughs> advertising placement during the 2B Night of the Comet screenings. Had I paid, could I have gotten a different ending? Ooh. <laughs> Is this the ad supported ending? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but the scientists, I, so. I don't think it was, like I said, because I saw this so much as a child, I think it was because the scientists bothered me and how, like, to me, that's when it be, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at this as a child, keep perspective here. That's when it gets scary, that it's not fun. It's not bright. It's not, I can go anywhere I want in the mall or the city, but you get into the serious, sterile science bunker, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Now that's creepy. And then now you see what they want to do and put you in a coma. Fuck them. No, 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 no. It's a tone change. Yeah, it's a it's a put on the brakes, like slam on them tone change because it is dark. It is it's it's dark and scary. Like just (laughs) it's a screenwriter was reading Sid Field's book and realized he had to have a third act. Any third act would do. <laughs> the third act could have just been more of the mall, and I would have been. <laughs> I actually am wondering, 
Brian has has really made me wonder if there was an entirely different third act originally, and some screen tests made somebody go, no, we got to do something completely different. And they took out their original third act and stuck this one in instead. Or a budget concern. I think this is a a cheaper ending. I think it's an economical ending just in the matter of production logistics. Mm -hmm. But it it feels like short shrift. Or alternate. They already knew they were going to be making the movie Chopping Mall. And they just didn't want to, you know, kind of back into that and have too much mall. Yeah, also starring Kelly Maroney. (laughs) Um, And Dawn of the Dead was here long before either of these. Yeah. They could have been avoiding that. I do feel like one of the other things I didn't like about this particular movie was I feel like they had two references to consumerism being bad, um, but they also had this like very joyful mall shopping sequence. And it was like, well, is consumerism bad or is it like joyful and fun to, to go shopping? I mean, it did end badly for them. It did end badly, yeah. Um, but I just feel it, like it was too close to Dawn of the Dead. That's my real critique. Yeah. It was it was the mid-80s. It can be both joyful and bad, apparently. <laughs> I just think seeing both the sisters in their mall outfits with their guns is just the 80s. Like, if you just need to sum up the 80s, they're both in bright <laughs> colors, holding weapons. Like, this is, this is all you need to see. And, you know. I guess one... Um... Uh, my one of my other critiques is the amount of male gaze we had directed towards Samantha, who's supposed to be very young. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how old she actually is. I hope she's above eighteen. The actress is above eighteen. I would imagine, but yeah, yeah the, your point the amount not. of crotch shots and bouncing boobs we had directed towards this person who's supposed to be sixteen-ish. Um, made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Not great. And whose perspective are we in during these shots? There's no male perspective corresponding with the male gaze. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, let's be creeps. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. There was, there was the, there was the dream sequence, but then yeah. there was, um, you know, there was the mall sequence where there was quite a bit of boob bouncing. Um, and I always feel bad for, for actresses in in those scenes because you know that hurts that hurts the boot bouncing hurts okay (laughs) the director is there going no i need more bounce and the actress is just like do we really need to take a ninth take and she's probably not saying that because she needs her paycheck but (sighs) okay anyway enough of that okay Um, so i did math because i'm looking kelly maroney up uh looks like she was 19 in 1984 okay. so probably then 18 when she was filming so she was of age so. of age well she was 18 let me let me okay. let me okay sorry about that. that's that's <laughs> on me let me rephrase she was 18 when, okay i'm not and one by the way i am not defending or justifying since a question was posed yes that is i appreciate I'm, it why I wish well, she, she wasn't 16, so I no. will give them that. Yeah. Speaking yeah. completely. But the character is 16. Yeah. So. The character is 16. <laughs> yeah. Um, to, to go sort of off topic, did you all hear that Olivia Hussey and I have forgotten the actor's name, the act, the actor and actress from the 1960s something, um, Romeo and Juliet, are suing the studio for their nude scene? 
I did hear that actually. Yeah. Yeah. They were they were underage and apparently lied to about what was going to be shown. And California just removed the statute of limitation for sex crimes. And they're both in their 70s now. And they're suing the studio for that for that nude scene in Romeo and Juliet. Good for them. I hope yeah. They yeah. I think Brooke Shinson uh, also needs to get a lawyer because of Blue Lagoon. I'm going to yeah. I think there mm. there's a couple <laughs> out there that yeah. uh, need to. Uh... I think she was 15 and he was 16. And um, he he has stated, stated that his career just pretty much dried up and blew away. She's had a career. Yeah. Not not a fantastic one, but she's had a career. Anyway, just thought I'd throw that in because it seemed moderately related to the topic at hand. Will justice be served? I don't know. Will the premiums for liability insurance for studios go up a little bit? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, are modern movies showing 16-year-old tits? No. No. Okay. Then, I mean, I don't know that premiums will go up because... Well, they're going to have to pay out out of that liability insurance. Fair. In settlements. So Fair. If there's no statute of limitations, now they've got a hundred years of potential problems. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's... So yeah. So the mall scene is, I don't know. The mall scene is one of the most ridiculous things, but also delightful because they know there's comet zombies around. They know this. They've encountered them. By the way, when Regina says my ass to the first comet zombie she she sees and he takes that piece of meat and throws it away, that 98% chance that's Larry's ass he threw away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that bone he's holding is almost certainly a femur. I don't know what other bone that could be, but a femur. So that is almost certainly Larry's ass he throws away. When she says my ass to him. <laughs> That's wonderful. I did not make that connection. That is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, point being, they know there's comet zombies around and they're running around making lots of noise and <laughs> changing clothes and putting their weapons down. And um, I don't know. I, I guess my dad's a Marine only, only sticks so far yeah and i do feel like I, I like that scene a lot um well one i'm worried it's kind of sexist but two i think the thing i like about it is that it's just like their kids playing and they're like 16 and 18 or 16 and 17 whatever ages so they are kids you know like because donna and i have both taught like college freshmen a lot of them are still children especially the ones who are living at home even if they're legally status as adults they uh mm -hmm. they're kids so I, I don't know that's the thing i like about it yeah. yeah i like the fun there's just the joy yeah. and i think you summed it up with the plane like there's just joy and it's just two sisters having fun and i like mm -hmm. that you get to see that as i mean yes this movie is 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 very silly but there still is danger and so you get to see them have this moment of just joy. Yep. It is a fun scene. Um, I, and I got to tell you something I really love is that they went for girls just want to have fun and not Madonna's material girl. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my favorite thing is that they went with girls just want to have fun and not material girl. 
Material Girl may have been a harder royalty snag. Yeah. Possible. I'm still going to say I love it. Yeah. No, it's still good. It's still good. All right. Do we have anything else before we start heading into rule, poll, and quote? Yes. And I considered making this a rule suggestion, but then I decided it's just something I want to say. All right. Y'all, when you're firing your Uzi knockoff at a car in downtown LA, use your ear and eye protection. Okay. <laughs> Use your ear and eye protection. Standing next to your sister with your hand over your ear is not good enough. And if you are the person firing it, you need your ear and eye protection. That hot brass, by the way, is going to come back on you and it will cause a nasty burn. Okay. So make sure you're, you know, you're, you're covered, but you need your eye protection. You need your ear protection that will cause permanent hearing loss. So I just safety in the comet zombie apocalypse, I mean, you're probably going to need that ear and eye protection even more. So right. just important safety tip. All right. Thank you, Donna. You're welcome. I had, I had a different critique of the dream scene. Okay. What, what you got? I did not like it. Um, Cause it feels like uh, the double dream is copied exactly from an American werewolf in London. And so like, I like the a cab attitude, but I, I one it's a direct copy and two it doesn't advance the plot or reveal anything about theme or character and so it's just like we needed to have a scare here we're contractually obligated because 10 minutes have passed to scare you because this is a horror film here is this unrelated to the rest of the movie dream sequence without it my screenplay is 80 pages and it needs to be x amount of pages yeah 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 it's a good critique i agree I have uh, one stray thought, uh, something I, I researched. So at one point, Kelly Maroney says this sweater cost $80. In 1984, adjusted for inflation, that sweater would be $229.46 today. Oh, that tracks, actually. Yeah, that yeah. does. That tracks. It was like, they were white girls in the suburbs. That was a nice house. She was on the pep squad, cheer squad. Well, I can't remember what she called it. So yeah, she would have a have a sweater $200 like sweater makes yeah. sense right. it, it does it makes sense y'all may remember la- uh, last time i was on the the main show mac and i announced our our project Le- leatherface versus leprechaun starring jennifer aniston <laughs> which is now in developmental hell but the good news is mac and i have landed on our feet and we are <laughs> the the writers for night of the comet new york following a different branch of survivors in new york city Hundred percent here for it. Yeah, we're gonna honor the original, but also make it our own. <laughs> exactly. We may also get Leatherface still. <laughs> yes, we're trying to to work that in here. Yeah. <laughs> and Leprechaun. We're really it's a it, it's it's the Trojan horse to get us our leather Leatherface versus Leprechaun movie that we we're, were not giving up for. No, no. Jennifer Aniston is still attached. <laughs> yes, whether she knows it or not. <laughs> I'm here for it. Same. I am here for it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) All right. Well, Donna, you have our quote. Yes, I do. Um, I'm not crazy. I just don't give a fuck. I could do better. Can I have another take? Go for it. I'm not crazy. I just don't give a fuck. That was better. Listeners, I don't know if you know this or you might. Donna has been pushing and saying this quote 
for as long as I've known her when she <laughs> knew that I saw Night of the Comet. And I love that she gets to have this moment. And so I think it's fantastic. I'm resisting the urge to ask for a third take. Go on. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I have our rule, which it's, you know, when we're getting into the Comet zombie apocalypse here, make it with a guy in the projector booth. It's the only way. It's the only way, especially if it's lead lined. And then Donna has our poll question. Yeah, yeah. Um, where would your shopping montage be? Don't everybody answer at once. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at Mac. I realize you can't tell, but I'm looking intently at Mac. You're looking at all of us. <laughs> where would mine be? Uh, I mean, vintage stock with a bullet. That's a that's a solid. Solid. Yeah. I can't immediately think of anywhere shopping wise I, I would go. Uh, I probably would have stayed holed up in the movie theater, honestly, because, I mean, he's got 35 oh, millimeter yeah. prints. There's you know, popcorn and arcade games. I, I don't understand why she left in the first place. If the movie had stayed in there, granted, yes, it would be demons uh, at that point. But. I, I have the same reaction to this movie that I have to usually anything by Tolkien. Like, why not just stay in the Shire? The Shire's great. Everything out there, <laughs> I'm already asleep. We're good here. <laughs> Mac, I like your vintage stock angle. And I also, I'm going to I'm gonna sprinkle in Barnes and & Noble and Best Buy. So in case I can sure. get, you know, and maybe I'm taking all of that to like a Sam's Club to like have the supplies that I need. And I, you know. I can barricade in, which if I got to fight off some people in my said Sam's club as I'm hauling all of all the things that I want, so be it. But that's 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 my my montage right there. So Betsy and I were driving into Austin last night for a dinner party from Georgetown. We were looking off to the right of the highway and there's this building that had to be five or six stories high and like a mile wide. And we're squinting at it. So we Googled what it was. Uh, Betsy Googled. I was driving. I don't Google and drive. It was an Amazon fulfillment center. And so now I feel like if I had to go somewhere, they've got books, they've got movies, because I order those things from Amazon once in a while and they're not available elsewhere. They've got food. Um, I don't like Amazon at all as a company because they're bad and they take a gigantic portion of my royalties and they treat their workers badly. And that weird thing where they were like, if you say thank you on Alexa, we'll tip your driver $5. Just give them a fucking raise. I don't want to be implicated in this process. Like if I could tip them, I would tip them because that would be like a good thing to saying like, we're going to tip them $5 every time you say thank you. And then like putting all the impetus on like consumers to tip your workers, just give them a raise, give them holiday bonuses. Don't implicate the rest of us in this. This is very weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would stay with them because I think there would be food and I think there'd be most of the other things I liked within that basically city of a building. That's a good one I too. I like this. I do. I like this. I don't I don't know where the expensive fancy dice store is. Ooh. But I'm going to find it. <laughs> and that's where I'm going to move into, the expensive fancy dice store. And and you'll be eating the dice is the No, I'm going to be <laughs> playing with the dice. Ah. I will have I will have foraging expeditions out of the fancy dice store, but I'm going to have my shopping montage in gotcha. the fancy expensive dice store. Home base is the dice store. I gotcha. Because listen, you know, 
dragon goblin there is no iron goblin <laughs> that's referring to dice i don't know <laughs> if you knew that i don't know if you ever knew that but i'm a dice goblin <laughs> i'm a dice dragon rar my dice i have so many dice so your house would be the the fancy dice store because <laughs> <laughs> no because uh, while I I do have a problem, listen, I have a problem. I don't buy three hundred dollar dice. I want three hundred dollar dice. I don't buy three hundred dollar dice. And so I want to go to the place where the three hundred dollar dice are, so I can have them. Out of curiosity, what makes a dice worth three hundred dollars? Is it the material? Is it the Jennifer Anderson's attached? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they're made out of really expensive woods that have been layered. So they have okay. several different colors and then they've been treated and then they've been, you know, shaped and painted and varnished. And sometimes they're made out of gemstones. I mean, there are there are dice that are made out of gems. You know, sometimes they're made out of expensive metals. Um, so, but yeah, I, I, I don't spend three digits on dice because I'm not... I'm not that bad in my addiction. Now, are are you are you not spending three hundred dollars in dice because you haven't found the special dice store? And if you walked into the special <laughs> dice store and behind the glass case they had the three hundred dollar dice, and that would be immediately what you do. Is it a matter of opportunity? No, because I do have access to the internet. Okay, but is is that different when you see it there and you can walk out of? Okay, no, no, I have found and lusted over the $300 dice many times. And I have looked at them and said, I do want you. I do, but I'm not that far gone that I'm going to spend $300 on dice. And I'm not judging people who have spent $300 on dice because I understand. I feel you. I do. I feel you. Um, but I've also had my dice collection stolen out of my car. So if I owned a $300 die, Every time I got a bad roll, I would be screaming, I spent $300 on this fucking thing. And now I've rolled a nat one. <laughs> yeah. Every time. Th things got to be weighted, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I spent $300 on you. What are you doing? Exactly. <laughs> you should be busting out 20s every time I touch you. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's where I would be dancing around, wallowing in the dice, just wallowing in the dice. Okay. All right. Happy place. Who wants to go first? I can go. Okay. I have a variety of options. I have a new kitten. Her name is Mocha. She's beautiful. And she and my dog are getting along. Well, they're not getting along great, but they're getting along a million times better than I ever hoped that they would. So I do foresee peace within the next five years. That's good. So, yeah, I mean, but that so that's a possibility for my happy place. But I as weird as this may seem, because just a few weeks ago, my happy place was semester was over. But I think my happy place is that school is about to start again. And I do love teaching. So on January 18th, semester starts again, and I will be back in the classroom teaching again. So, all right. Yeah. All right. That's so, it. Okay. I like it. Um, my happy place starting today, 
AMC is starting their Mayfair Witches, and I cannot wait to see what they do because that first book, The Witching Hour, is still one of my favorite books. I love the history and the lore. The other two books, she loses her damn mind. We won't talk about those, but The Witching Hour, I really like, so I can't wait to see what they do with it. I like the cast that I know of, and yeah, we're I've, that's that's my happy place right now. We've gotten halfway through our happy places and no one's mentioning the absolute uh, shit show that is the, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't even need to get a proper noun in there. I think we all know what we're talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there, I mean, a, a good dose of schadenfreude may not sustain you long term, but uh, it is uh, certainly enough to get through the week. Uh, the... Uh, mess that is the House GOP uh, is uh, it couldn't have happened to a nicer bunch of people. First of all, let's say that. Huh. Um, and you know there is the ominous cloud that it uh, a, a such a severe disorganization is going to create bad things beyond just good television for a week. Uh, but you know for a lot of the big talk last year about how they were going to take things over and, and really, really start busting some heads. Uh, they can't even find the fairway right now. So, uh, oops. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like every time I do the, the moment of Zen, I talk about my daughter. Um, so I will say very briefly, she, her first tooth is crowning. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the verb you use for this, but I'm going to use it. Um, but for non-child related uh, happiness, I ordered my first new guitar in about 10 years, 15 years. And so I'm very excited. It's an all white Fender Stratocaster that should get here in April. And I am very excited to to play it. That, I, I, you you say that and I, I, I'm imagining the guitar in Wayne's world. Yeah. I mean, it's left handed. So I think okay. it's different in that respect. Um, but yeah, pretty similar um, to, to that guitar. Right. I had not Fantastic. drawn that connection. But I'm very excited now. <laughs> now I'm just imagining you, the Ryan Bean Wayne in Wayne's world, looking at this guitar, just like <laughs> taking Betsy <laughs> with you just every every day to the guitar store going, oh, yes, she will be mine. <laughs> that's that's all now that's running through my head. Thanks to Mac. Live that's in fantastic. the now. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, to to. Um, go on with with mac yeah this so far 2023 has been the year of schadenfreude and it has been delightful um the whole andrew tate situation <laughs> oh, that I forgot about been, that dude. <laughs> oh yeah it's been fantastic the the gop situation what looked like it was about to be a brawl on the chamber floor I mean, I think we came within a hair's breadth of a brawl on the House floor. AOC's and face throughout this entire situation. <laughs> uh, let's don't forget Katie Porter and Katie reading Porter? the book, The Subtly Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Let's, we, <laughs> we've got to, we cannot forget her <laughs> in this picture because there's, there's some good. But then there's also the realization that this is how the government that well the the house at least is going to be run for the next few years yeah that kind of goes <laughs> uh, yeah. hmm. the i mean yeah uh, if we've got a head of cabbage from the liz truss thing we can uh break that out in the american version and see how long old kev lasts in his dream job <laughs> huh. i mean 
Yeah, to get this job, he has neutered himself, declawed himself, and debarked himself. So, um, great, great job, Kev. Great job. I do think Kevin needs to be turned into like Karen, Karen and Kevin. Yeah. So, great job. You have Kevined. <laughs> you have you have successfully Kevined. <laughs> All right. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. We always appreciate when you come and visit. You always have great insights. And it's just a delight to see you and talk to you. And where can they find you? What you got going on right now? Thanks, y'all, for having me. I always have a really great time talking to y'all, too. Um, you can find me on Twitter at RyanB4890. My website is RyanCBradley.com. And my book, Saints Blood, is available for sale on Amazon. If you want a signed copy, feel free to send me a DM. I'm also co-host of The Horror Hangover, which you can find also on Twitter, at Horror Hangover. With the delightful co-host, Cass Clark, who's also yes. been with us. Also, They're wonderful. Also one of our, our, our good poltergeists as well. Well, you can find us on social media. We're at Beyond Cabin for Twitter and Instagram. We have our webpage as well as our Facebook, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods. I am on Twitter and Instagram as at Callista77. I'm on Twitter and Instagram and a recently joined post, but I have not been terribly active on post. I am at Dragon Goblin on all three of those. There's no I in Goblin. Uh, you can find me at Party Apocalypse on Twitter. I'm still there. I don't know why. Uh, I think I said on a previous episode, Twitter vacillates between being a hellscape and being sort of dull, which is exactly what you want out of social media. Uh, there's an Instagram account. There's nothing happening there. There's just a pile of red dust uh, that is allegedly calcium. <laughs> uh, Partyapocalypse.com for other podcasts, including The Holodeck is Broken, complete runs of Friendables, two friends talking about Hannibal Lecter. The Fourth Wall, As the Myth Turns, and a new show coming up quickly, Disorganized, a Criminal Minds podcast. We've recorded a couple of episodes of that, but it hasn't started posting yet, uh, including this podcast. So you can find everything for your entertainment needs at PartyApocalypse.com. Thank you so much, Billy, our editor, for making us sound professional and fantastic. We do appreciate everything that you do for us. And Thank you, Billy. I want to thank Kenzie for hosting the show because I did one quick one uh, special <laughs> and, and and I host other podcasts. It's not like I'm, I'm like, oh, what's a podcast? <laughs> I, I, I got there and I just I, I lost the whole thread. And uh, I had I realized I didn't have a professional uh, Zoom account. So we were uh, it was like the silent movie area. I, I kept having to reload the camera every couple of minutes. Uh, uh, so uh, Kenzie does this and makes makes this look easy and <laughs> it's not so uh that's uh impressive well thank you mac you're welcome also thank you guys for listening we do appreciate it if you feel inclined please rate and review us to wherever you get your podcast and don't read the latin you know what horror is <laughs> <laughs>